So glad you're here tonight. It looks a little bit like a 4th of July crowd in that we have lots of folks that are missing tonight that are traveling and glad you're with us. Matter of fact, today, I think it was 119 kids and sponsors went to church camp and then there was also the Price family and maybe some others that are at singing camp. And so there are all kinds of camps and trips and things going on and we are left here. So here we are. Glad that you're here with us tonight. I told you we were about done with 1 Peter, but then I wrote another chapter to 1 Peter. I don't know how in my head, there were, I didn't really write a chapter, don't worry. I don't know how in my head I had it there were four chapters, but there are five chapters in 1 Peter. I promise next week is the last Sunday night of looking at 1 Peter. You say, how do you know? Because I've already written that sermon, okay? So I already know. So as we look at 1 Peter tonight about taking care, we are looking specifically at elders. Now, you may know or not know what elders are. We have a lot of folks here who go to, have gone to a lot of church. We also have a lot of new people in the audience as well. One of the things that we understand from the Bible, especially from books like 1 Timothy and Titus, two other short little books, is the intent, and from the book of Acts, is the intent is for congregations to have leaders, to have men they call elders or shepherds or overseers or bishops. There are a lot of different names all used for the same people. And so here at Memorial, for example, we are what you would call independent. We'd say there are other churches of Christ, but no one tells us what to do. They, well, they may tell us what to do, but we decide if we're going to do it or not do it. And we have leaders called, we call elders or shepherds that are, that are over us in a sense. And here right now we have nine. I think the most we've ever had in my day here was maybe 11 at one time. I was at a congregation in Oklahoma for several years that had 16. So sometimes there are more and sometimes there are just a couple. But we have nine. Now Peter writes specifically to those elders and says, this is what I want you to do as far as the church goes. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, Peter says, Therefore, as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of the Messiah and also a participant in the glory about to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you. Now you notice there's a semicolon there, and we'll get to that in just a minute. What's interesting here is Peter was a shepherd or Peter was an elder. Those words are or mean they're for the same person, although they explain different things about the characteristics of the people that are shepherds or elders. But I think it's really, this is just for me to stop and kind of chase a rabbit, as they say sometimes. Maybe I'll say chase a sheep. Maybe that would be better tonight. That he's already an apostle, and he's also an elder, which seems interesting. Maybe you consider yourself an elder, even if you're an apostle. That Maybe that makes you one. I don't know how that works. And maybe he is specifically talking about probably the church in Jerusalem where he may have been an elder. Now, sometimes, you know, the phrase elder is meaning an older person or even an elderly person we use. But that's not the way the phrase seems to be used here. So Peter himself was one. And he has some very important words that are given to him from the, from the Holy Spirit in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but freely, according to God's will. Not for the money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. 
So this is pretty specific, what he's saying. Well, we might say general, but specific to elders, how he wants, wants them to be, shepherds or elders, to function. Now, I don't know, and you may say, well, surely they did. We don't know. If they even knew any of that part that we know about what we sometimes call qualifications or qualities out of 1 Timothy or out of Titus, what we all, all we know is what he's saying here sometime probably in the mid-60s. And I don't mean like, I don't mean like ar around Woodstock time. I mean the original 60s, okay? And so he says, Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but freely oversee the flock. Oversee. You know that idea when you oversee a group and how different that could be? This is basically, this is not neglect or micromanagement. It's neither one. And so there are sometimes, there are churches that I've known of where they have been completely, the members have been completely neglected by the elders or by the shepherds. And then there are those that sometimes micromanage that are into everything. It goes both ways, right? It is a beautiful thing when you find elders that oversee. I sometimes think of it, maybe this is a bad way to think about it, but I sometimes imagine the playground when I was a little boy and you think about the teacher that has playground duty. You know, you remember that one teacher that would be out in her coat while all the kids ran around? Well, they probably didn't wear coats in Houston, but they did where I grew up. And so all the kids would be running around. Her job is not to go push all the kids on the swing. Her job isn't, or could be his job, but in my case it was her. Her job was not to go over and play drop the hanky with the kids. Her job wasn't to be playing kickball. But her job, or his job, was to make sure everything was running as it should be. And if someone falls down and skins their knee, to make sure they're okay. Or if there is one little boy or one little girl that's not playing with anyone else, to make sure that they're okay. Maybe to bring them in and introduce them to others. It's that idea of overseeing, not neglecting, and not micromanaging. Sometimes folks think when they become, and I'm not talking about here, we have great elders, but sometimes folks see that role as being completely in everybody's business or it is purely symbolic as to who they are. Now let me give you an example of one where I might say was micromanaging. In the first, in, in Churches of Christ in, in South America, the very first one that ever had elders, as far as we know, was a congregation in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And, and, and actually I knew the man that I'm about to tell you about. He was, I knew him as a, as a much wiser man than he was when he said what I'm about to tell you. It was the first congregation with elders. They appointed five elders and on the man's first Sunday, he got up, he came to the pulpit, he stood behind it, and people, many people have told me this story, and he said, my doctor is Dr. Is Dr. John Johnson. That wasn't it because it was Portuguese, all right? My doctor's John Johnson, and now everyone in the congregation will be going to him because I'm your elder, and I tell you to go there. Well, immediately there was a meeting. You can't do that, right? That is not your role. That is not your function. Well, I'm the elder. No, you don't do that. You don't do that. And so that's not the role of elder, but it's to oversee, to make sure that doctrine is right, to make sure that people are teaching, they're being cared for. 
So a shepherd serves. Another thing he says is not out of compulsion. So a shepherd serves not because they must, but because they're willing. You see that? That's pretty powerful. Not because they must. Well, I guess I have to. And sometimes we look down this list of things in 1 Timothy that we sometimes call qualifications. Well, see there, I got all this. I got to. No, 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 no. You have to want that, desire that, say, yes, I will serve in that way. That not greedy for money, but instead eager to serve. In case you wonder, none of our elders make any money, okay? We just expect them to give. None of them make anything. It is completely volunteer. Back last week, I was on a call with, with a few staff members and one elder. And at the end of the call, I said, hey, I want to thank particularly this elder for being on the call. I said, the rest of us in this call, we're getting paid to be on the call, but you're volunteering to do it. You had to take off work to be on this call. Not greedy for money. Not to say, what can I do? How do I get my hands in the money? No, not that. It is willing to serve and, and, and willing to, to, to help because they want to. And then not lording it over others. Hey, excuse me, but I'm your elder. You need to give me a, a better parking place. Not lording it over others as to who they are, but as an example of how we are to live. There was a certain Christian university president. I'm not going to tell, who, tell you who he was because you all might not like him, okay? But many, many years ago, in the, in the, sometime in the 90s, I was speaking at an event in Santiago, Chile. That sounds kind of, kind of fun, right? So I was speaking at this event, and it was full. There were probably three or 400 people at this event, and people kept coming in late. Planes were coming in late. And I'll never forget this man taking chairs to people because this president of the Christian president of this university, and then giving his own chair, and then seeing him sit on the floor at the back. I have never forgotten that. And there are things doctrinally I do not agree with him on, but I have never forgotten the servant that he was that day. When an elder or shepherd is a person who is a servant, and instead of telling everybody else what's to, what to do, but serves, people never forget that. Instead of lording over, they are an example to help other people. So why are these things important? Well, some of you might say, why are you even telling us we're not elders? Jerry, Jerry here is an elder, but others of you are not elders. So why, would, why would I do this? Why would, do we need to know? We're not looking to appoint new elders right now, as far as I know. But because we all need to know. We all need to know what we expect of our leaders. Maybe some of us will be them, but not for that reason, but because we need to understand what, how God's church is supposed to function. And the reason it's so important for the elders to be willing to serve and for them to not be not, not trying to get money but eager to help and, and being an example is because our example to the world is critical. The world looks at us. In some ways, I am convinced that the world is looking at us more today than it did in the past. It may even be looking, in some cases, be looking at us for the purpose of seeing us stumble. 
Can we find them stumbling? So we don't want to be any part of that, right? We need strong men who lead us in a way that helps us to be strong and helps us to be a witness to the community of who Jesus is and, and what Jesus wants. And so it's important that we have men that do that. God's people are too important. They're too important. If you have been around very long in churches, it doesn't matter what type of church, what, whatever one you want to talk about, of whatever, whatever denomination or whatever you want to say, you have known churches that have literally imploded. Usually it is not from the outside, it is from the inside. I am so thankful I have never been in a church split. But my guess is, is that many of you have because many churches over the years have split. And hardly ever is that a force coming from the outside. It is from the inside. It is extremely critical and God's people are too important to let something like that happen. And let me also say this, back to this idea of being forced to do something or feeling like, like you have to do it. Best work is often not done under compulsion. You know, when you feel like you have to do it, sometimes we don't do as well, right? Do you remember when you were a kid, maybe, maybe still today? This used to happen to me, believe it or not. My mother would tell me to clean my room, and she would really get on to me about cleaning my room. And sometimes it would not be as clean as she would like it because I felt like I had to do it. But if maybe I got a new chair or something, a beanbag or something for my room, boy, I wanted it to be clean. Let me tell you the worst thing that ever happened. Some of you are old enough to remember black lights. Do you remember the black lights? And I had this poster, and you turn on the black light, and it was all kind of neat and fun. Well, we had carpet in our house. And what my mother would do was come and turn on the black light because she could tell if I vacuumed or not because everything would glow. I had to learn how to pick all that stuff up. But when I'm forced to do something, I sometimes don't do a very good job or I don't consistently do a very good job. No one wants elders that feel like they have to do this. It doesn't have to be something that they do forever. Sometimes you're called for a season and sometimes that goes away and sometimes, sometimes it's okay to, to let it go. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That's when an elder finally receives their crown, so to speak, is when this world is ended. It is a, an eternal gift. One time years ago, I was talking to Tim Blythe, who's in here, and I said, you know, really, preachers should be the highest paid people of all professions because we are the only ones whose job is eternal. I mean, you know, you can, you can be whatever you want to be. You can be a doctor, you can be an attorney, you know, you can be firefighter. All that's really important, but only preachers have eternal jobs. We should have the highest salary of all. And he said, no, you get, you get yours in heaven, not now. So, right? It's that idea for an elder that it is unfading glory that they will receive that crown. And Jesus is the good shepherd. 
Jesus is the example for shepherds. Not to have a Messiah complex, but to be a good shepherd. And we believe and we know that he will reward. We don't have to worry about that. We're not doing this from a workspace issue, but we know God will reward those who are faithful to him. So here's my question for you tonight. How do I serve others? How? I don't mean by say, well, you know, I'm not an elder, so I don't have to serve anybody. No, that idea of service is for everybody. How am I serving others? Do I ever get out of my comfort zone to help someone? That's what we're being called to. To have a different comfort zone, to have a different way of life of helping others. So tonight, if we can help you, if you need to be baptized into Jesus, if you, if you need prayers, we want to help you. You can write to us at elders at mcoc.org and they will pray for you. Come tonight as we stand and sing.